Uh, welcome, my name is Garrett, I'm one of the pastors, this is my brother Jason, and he is our director of Milestones, so we're going to do this together this morning. Take it away. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. A pastor and his teenage son, Aaron, were on a beach in Florida, and in the distance, uh, across the sands, they could see a man struggling to make his way down to the beach, and he was struggling because he didn't have any legs, and he was kind of off to the right just on the peripheral of the pastor and, the, and his son's field of view. And it was kind of one of those situations where you could kind of pretend you didn't really see what was happening and just kind of move the other way. And so the pastor does that. Instead of looking to the right, he moved towards the left, and he guided his son, Aaron, in the same direction. But then his father, or the son, stopped and looked at him, and he said, Dad... I have to go help that man. And the pastor recounts just standing there, feeling completely exposed as a fraud. He thought he had calmly avoided the situation. At this point, he felt like it was a little too late even for maybe him to jump in. His moment to do good had passed. His son Aaron had made the better choice. His son saw an opportunity and went for it. Now, whatever it was that motivated young Aaron that day, whatever it caused him to turn to the right instead of to the left, our world certainly needs more of it. In a world of division, living in a rather hopeless-sounding news cycle, where if you're anything like me, it seems like we're so aware of every problem of the world that we're almost paralyzed to do anything about any problem of the world. We're in need of leaders like Aaron, who simply see a moment to do some good and take a step towards it. You are a leader, whether you recognize it this morning or not. You may be a leader in business. Now, if you're an owner, that that you are the leader should be obvious. What may be less obvious to you, even as the owner, is how much the people who work with you and the people who work for you uh, need you to help them understand why it all matters and that it all means something. No matter how mundane it may, be, may seem, they look to you to make that meaning of that work clear. Now, for those of us who aren't the owner, even the way we walk into the break room is a leadership moment. Uh, I still remember uh, when I used to teach high school. In the teacher's lounge uh, one year, someone walked in, another teacher, and said, hey, I'm giving up griping for Lent. So we all laughed. They said, would you like to join me? Slightly fewer of us laughed. From now until Easter, they said, why don't we only tell stories about students who are doing well? Only tell stories about students who are improving. We all kind of chuckled, but we did it. For 40 days, we did it. And I can't tell you the difference that it made in our lives, and in the lives of kids. I can't tell you differently. I felt between the classes before lunch and then during lunch, being in that environment, and then the classes that I had after lunch. And the person who challenged us was just a peer, getting out of the boat to walk on leadership water. Churches certainly rise and fall on leadership at every level. The need for pastors and teachers to lead and cast vision is obvious, but arguably one of the most important leadership things that happens is when one congregant goes to and gathers up just a small amount of other congregants and says, let's do a group together. 
Let's seek God together. I can facilitate. Some of the most authentic transformation, the best encouragement, the best support comes out of this kind of leadership in the church. But leadership happens each Sunday when adults choose to mentor kids, and that happens all the time in this church. When people chatting in the lobby stop their conversation and help some clearly new wandering family and shows them a way around the building. Communities require leadership. Places like Lee Summit have some of the best schools, and in this town, it really is an entire community effort. As a former teacher, I can personally attest to the value and support felt when parents led through organizations like the PTA. And I'm also inspired by some of the coaches I know in this church, coaches that know how to give every kid a chance to shine and a chance to succeed on their teams, that model sportsmanship and integrity much-needed values in this world, things that I want to have my kids go and be mentored and modeled by some of the church, um, by some of the, the uh, coaches and leaders in this, uh, in this congregation here that do it all in the way of Christ. Family is a, is a center, a white-hot center of leadership. If you have children, you are a leader. You spend more hours with them than anyone else, whether it feels like that or not. Repeatedly in surveys, teenagers cite the greatest influence in their life as their own parents. And then there's also the roles for grandparents, for aunts and uncles, for teachers, for cousins. Uh, Did I say cousins when I meant to say coaches? Hey, let's include cousins. (laughs) Coaches. You all wield leadership influence that profoundly affects families. Now, you can choose to do something with all these arenas of leadership. You can grow it and make it stronger, or you can sit passively and do nothing, wait for something to come along and inspire you or tell you what to do. But we're here to say this morning that passivity in leadership in these areas is disastrous. Passivity in business leadership is disastrous. Um, I know someone who once started a business, put in a huge upfront investment, had investors. When the ribbon was cut, it was spectacular. But all I ever uh, heard about this person talking was uh, how one day they were going to sell it. From day one of opening it. Then the managers at that business became unreliable. The staff became spotty in their attendance. Now, this person had a day job, but more and more, they had to be there in the evening to run things themselves. And eventually it fell apart, and the investors were not happy. But from my armchair watching, he never let it. He never believed this business mattered. He never wanted, talked about wanting to thrill his customers and give them the night of their lives. And I think his employees sensed it. They were new. They were just cogs in his money-making machine. Assets that were going to be sold quickly, he hoped. It's hard to show up for work for that. If you own a business, no matter if it's a brain surgeon's office or a bowling alley or removing trash from an event space, it's your job as a leader to first... Know yourself why this matters. What difference does this make? And second, to share that with everyone who works with you and for you. You cannot just passively open the doors in the morning, lock the doors at night, and expect everyone to bring their best, stick around, and get it. That passivity creates no forward motion. What happened to the days when everyone believed, every man and every woman considered their work, their calling, 
from God. The word vocation means the calling. Not just preachers, but also explorers and healers and artisans and craftsmen and artists and writers and laborers and servants working for God as if and not for men. From the scriptures as it says. Where did that go? Passivity in church leadership also would be disastrous. When I was looking for a seminary to be trained in as pastor, I visited a local Kansas City seminary and I asked this leadership question. I said, what do you have at this seminary for church growth to train us to increase the outreach and the effectiveness of the local church in our community? And here's the answer I got. Well, here at the seminary you're about not to attend, We are focused on how to help churches die with dignity. Said those words. (laughs) To celebrate the ministry they once did in the past. To mourn that passing of those years. And now let their buildings and resources pass on to other churches. Other growing churches, I said hopefully. No, said the president, but, but churches that will last a little longer. That does not create any forward motion. Where is God in that story? Does a church who intends only to cringe in fear and die quietly even need God to do that? For the community, back when I was a teacher, I taught on a team. And the team met one day to work out some class size issues in the way things had been divided up. And it was really a great meeting with the teachers and the administrators, and they were able to solve the problem together. It was, however, pretty heated at times throughout the conversation. And the argument really got to some very nitty-gritty details. And at one point, one of the teachers turned to me, knowing that I had come out of a situation in another district where class sizes were 50% larger than the largest class size they were talking about in this district. And I remember the look on her face when she looked at me and said, You must think we are so petty. No, I said. I think the opposite. What you're doing here is a good fight. These kids deserve smaller classrooms. They deserve the intention of their instructors. You are doing the right thing. You and the admins together have to keep fighting for this. I have personally seen what happens if you turn to passivity and quit fighting. And passivity in our family leadership is an absolute killer. I will always cherish the day last year When my son, when he was in sixth grade, came home, walked in the living room and said, Mom and Dad, I just wanted to thank you for giving me chores. About fell out of my chair. (laughs) Evidently, he and the kids at school had heard this word chores, and some honestly didn't know what it meant. And so they described it. And he said uh, it kind of broke into two camps immediately. And a lot of kids talked to my son as if he were part of some sort of oppressed people group living on a, <laughs> on a uh, you know, slave plantation or something. He said, but dad, all the kids who don't have chores, they're all the irresponsible ones. They're all the not bright ones. Sorry, he's not very politically correct in the sixth grade. <laughs> and in his own words, he said, they're annoying. They want stuff done for them. If you are leaders in a family, whether you're the father, the grandmother, the uncle, even just the oldest sister, 
You can't just show up and yawn and expect everyone's going to turn out okay. We need our families to tell us who we are, why we do this, why we don't do that, even if we fight it and argue with it every step of the way. We need to be celebrated and guided by our family. No one in the family will bring their best, try their hardest, and achieve their potential without being led and inspired and, yes, pushed. We need to be bold and move in faithfulness knowing God has given us our families to lead for a divine purpose. truth is leadership decisions get made every day in every aspect of life. And if we don't start leading, the consequences can be dire. And while this might really excite some of you, ready to jump in and lead, to most I fear this is actually quite scary. This is terrible news. Whether it be fear or lack of confidence in who you are or just feelings of being overwhelmed already by the demands and pressures of daily life. We can all get caught in a sort of grind, living one day to the next on a sort of autopilot, not asking necessarily what of what we do really matters. Yet, as the people of God, we are called to more. There is a redemptive plan in motion, and for this plan, leadership is absolutely necessary. But leadership is terrifying, and it is stressful. So what hope is offered? For that, we must turn to the Scriptures. We're going to look at the story of a leader. The leader we're talking about will one day be called the rock upon which my church will be built. His name is Peter. Garrett's going to be talking to him. But we want to be very clear up front that the leader you're about to see, like every single leader in the Bible, is not held up for his heroism, or his competence. He is held up for his faithfulness to move forward, trusting that God is competent, that God will prove heroic and use him beyond his wildest dreams. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. We'll begin in verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Do do I understand this story correctly? That they see their teacher in the middle of the night walking on the stormy sea. And Peter's first thought is, I want to do that. (laughs) He blows right past the obvious theological question. Are you, my Lord, demonstrating the power of the Christ over the forces of nature? And instead skips straight to, Lord, can I come out there too? And how does the gospel respond to this impulsive question? 
Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Perfect. (laughs) That's what Peter does with his big moment. He gets out there. He sees the winds and waves around him. He cries out, help me, and he starts to sink. And how does God respond to this comedy of errors? Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. According to Jesus, Peter made only one mistake. And it wasn't trying to do something great. Peter is not scolded for wanting to walk on the water like Jesus. And his mistake wasn't getting out with no training and no plan for what was going to happen after that. Peter actually executed that part of the plan flawlessly. He knew he could not walk on water without God. He just asked Jesus to give him the power to be able to do it too. Jesus just gives Peter one pointer. When you're doing impossible things, don't doubt me. Because I've got you. And even when Peter does have a moment of doubt, Jesus reaches out, pulls him back into the boat to try again another day. All this reminds me of a great story from John Ortberg's wonderful book. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. (laughs) Just the title. You hardly have to read the book. Just the title says it all. Here's his story. Ortberg says, one day I was walking with a few friends in Newport, Newport Beach, California, When we passed by a bar where a fight that was going on inside spilled out onto the street like a scene out of an old western. Three men were beating up one lone opponent and he was bleeding quite freely. We had to do something, so we went over to break it up to warn the aggressors in no uncertain terms that this fight was over. Unfortunately, I have had not much experience in that sort of thing. I missed the day that my seminary class covered how to break up barroom brawls. But somebody had to do something, so we got out of the boat. We spoke prophetically to them, and then I waited for my first fist fight since I had been part of a church deacon board. However, the thugs suddenly looked up at us with fear in their eyes and started to slink away. This caught me so much by surprise, I almost stopped them to ask, why are you running away? (laughs) Then I looked behind me. There I saw one of the biggest guys I had ever seen. He was apparently employed as a bouncer at the bar room, and suddenly I gained a great deal of respect for that profession. I would guess this man stood about six foot seven and weighed 250 pounds or so with perhaps 2% body fat. If Hercules had married Xena, warrior princess, this could have been their child. We called him Mongo. Not to his face, though. In that moment, my attitude was transformed. You'd better not let us catch you hanging around here again. We were different people because we had a great big Mongo. If I were convinced that Mongo were with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I would have a fundamentally different approach to life. Of course, he's not. I cannot go around with Mongo beside me all the time. And it's probably a good thing because I don't need him. I have one who is greater than Mongo with me at all times. Courage, he says. 
I am. Don't be afraid. I believe that. It's part of my creed. I have committed my life to teaching others about it. Yet all too often my life does not reflect it. All too often I shrink back when I should confront. I worry when I could pray. I cling when I could generously share. I stay in the boat when I could walk on water. I was in the lobby one day talking to someone from the congregation, and their story is so fitting to what we're talking about today that we contacted him and asked him if we could share it. So he wrote it down. I'd like to read that for you right now. I was one of the main buyers for a truck dealership here in town. But since 2009, I had been hearing God many times telling me to go. And I kept hearing go in my middle-of-the-night prayers. I was going to start a dealership in 2011, but due to illness and another health issue my wife suffered in 2015, I put the plan on hold. But God didn't. He kept telling me, go. I had been at the same place for 18 years now. In my mid-40s, I was scared to death to make a change. But in June 2017, I and three others took, and he has this in all capitals, the jump. I truly believe that I had to endure those health issues to make me strong for this endeavor. Since we have started KC Truck and Equipment, God has shown up in more ways than I could have ever imagined, both in the wonderful family we share an office with and our amazing partnership we have with our bank. We have bought and sold trucks since day one of being in business and finished 2017 stronger than I could have ever dreamed. Now, as a small business owner slash partner, the best advice I can give is if you hear God, make sure you listen. Going forward in faithfulness, trusting God is with you. In the church, we also need this going forward in faithfulness. I believe Lakeland is a place filled with miracles. But I think the greatest miracles of this place are every time ordinary, everyday people find their get-out-of-the-boat-and-walk-on-water moments. A young couple goes on a mission trip while they're in college to Mexico. They make friends there that they never forget. And years later, they decide to get out of the boat and start a redemptive community here at this church to offer that same Mexican community aid and assistance and ministry partnership. They've built a community library there. And they've got more get-out-of-the-boat moments to come because of moving forward in faithfulness, believing God is competent. Two women are the kind that don't like sitting around and taking It's in their nature to just always be giving back. They see this in each other and decide, let's lead a group of elementary school kid girls together. This step turns into a 10-year journey of mentoring this group of girls through what Lot consider the most toughest years of life. Their contributions to the lives of these girls they mentored cannot be assigned a value, but they all became great friends along the journey. And their legacy of long-term mentoring became a staple in this church's culture. Everybody does it now. They got out of the boat, moving forward in faithfulness, believing God is competent. A couple joined the church and steps into active leadership immediately. They lead other couples and are looked upon as great examples of how to do marriage right. The years of ministry, however, pay a toll. 
So they withdraw to a sort of wilderness with God. They turn to prayer, and they learn much. At the request of another couple, and nervous about a return to God's work, they decide to step forward anyway. Without clear plan, without a clear plan, and they decide to create a sort of haven for other couples that have felt disconnected from their spouses, disconnected from their friends, disconnected from their church, most importantly, disconnected from God. And in this group, lives begin to change. Connections begin to reform. They got out of the boat, moving forward in faithfulness, believing God would be competent. A police officer does his job well by policing crimes, many to juvenile offenders. He decides, however, that this is not enough. Going above and beyond the call of duty, he fills containers with water and he hands it out at a local skate park. Just containers of water and his presence at a skate park. He builds relationships with the kids and shows them the real face of law enforcement in Lee Summit. The moment grows as he and his wife form an organization dedicated to meeting the needs of underprivileged youth before they turn to crime. Lives are changed for the better. They got out of the boat, believing God was competent, that he would be faithful. For a family example, I turn to my own home. My children sometimes stand in front of me in this bizarre, expectant waiting. And when we were practicing, Garrett said uh, he couldn't picture what I was talking about. So I'm just going to demonstrate it for you. My kids will come before me, and they stand like this. feeling what I'm feeling. I look down at him. I say, what are you doing? My wife one day informed me that they're waiting for me to make the sign of the cross on their foreheads and pray blessing over them. It's something Papa does, does with them, my wife said. And in that moment, I smiled and realized we have a rogue leader in the family. But I'm grateful for him. They call him Grandpa. And he's not afraid to take his role as grandpa very seriously. Whether I do it or not, he's not afraid to jump in and make sure the faith gets passed down. Moving forward in faithfulness, believing God is competent. We have a milestone coming up. This milestone is on a path of discipleship, or milestones are places on a path of discipleship that are so important to growth, we think everybody should pay them a visit. We have milestones for people at all stages of their spiritual journey. The Christian life is a lifelong journey. It changes as it goes, and it's not meant to be done alone. This milestone is for anyone who is ready to pursue a life of doing good, to to turn to the right instead of to the left, whether it's in your business or here at the church or in your community or in your family. It's called the expedition. It's right here on our milestone path. And it occurs every other year. At this milestone, we go together to learn and be inspired by the movement of God outside of our church body. This year, we're going to something that's called the Global Leadership Summit. Very fitting to what we're talking about the need is today. The Leadership Summit is a two-day conference with over 700 churches satellited to over 130 different countries. So this thing is kind of exciting. Their mission is simple. They want to improve leadership. They fervently believe that when leaders get better, everybody wins. And although this is a church conference, 
It is ideal for all leaders, spiritual or secular, because they don't distinguish between the two. All leadership is God's leadership. God is redeeming all things. The speaker lineup is very impressive. It's an interesting mix. I've seen uh, CEOs. For example, they had Sheryl Sandberg, CEO of Facebook last year. I was there one year with the CEO of Best Buy. They have pastors from a variety of churches, different styles, different cultures. They invite justice leaders, the kind of people that take on world water crisis or the plight of refugees. One year, they had the president of the United States at the time as one of their keynote speakers, talking about what it's like to be a leader of the country. (laughs) I've always learned something. I've always been inspired. Many of the great ideas we've done at Lakeland has been seeded from conferences just like this one. To give you a little better feel, we have a video, and I'd like to run that. This is um, an example of a past year of the Leadership Summit. We say it every year, you'll hear it multiple times, everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. You're working on the problems that are the hardest in society. You're working on what society has left behind. But if you bring business principles to them and you bring your values to them, we are seeing progress and that's why we keep at it. You see, emotional intelligence is the kind of skill that can take your game to the next level. It'll change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way you see everyone around you. And it will absolutely change the way you go about your work. We're all going to go through this leadership journey, and it's so fun. We're going to move from I to we, and we're going to move from me to service. I think this is a golden age in leadership. If you want to operate your organization as a team, then the right people are humble, hungry, and smart people. Don't let popularity or cultural opinions determine your vision. Let your vision be determined by what the Creator has put inside of you. The two best friends of execution are simplicity and transparency. Great execution is about creating a pull. It's about creating a high-stakes winnable game. When we communicate by inviting people to speak, we are responsible for giving everyone the opportunity. Significance is not about me, it's about others. Significance is all uphill, but there's a downhill habit that fights against significance, and that is selfishness. The one factor that drives all of this is real connection. If you can think the impossible, the invisible, the intangible, you would be shocked how you can reach the unfathomable. The love you're looking for is never something you can calculate. It's not something you can buy or earn or hustle for. Once you know who you are and who God is, there is no telling what kind of shalom, what kind of rightness, what kind of wholeness, what kind of peace we can bring to the earth. That means leadership establishes here is where this organization is going to go. Leadership has the ability to close their eyes and dream about a place in the future. A leader who stops learning, stops leading. And if there's ever a time in the world that we live in today that leadership is needed, is now. What this world really needs is more pastors of businesses, pastors of construction crews and warehouse workers, pastors of branches in the military, 
Leaders who will treasure what God treasures. This is a good thing. And this might be your moment to take a step and see what God does. Maybe be inspired and know he's with you. This conference will be held on August 9th and 10th, but sign up start today. You can jump on a form on Lakeland Connect. You can get on your cell phone, go to the Lakeland app and find that. Or my wife, Twyla Leahy, will be out in the lobby on Sundays. And you can go and talk to her and get more details. One of the nice things is that one of the satellite locations is right in our own backyard over at Church of the Resurrection. And we're going to be attending there, and it's a really great facility. And I'm excited about the thought of us going there together. It's a, it's, a, it's a culture of leadership. We've established that we need that. The consequences are dire. I'm excited just going a bunch of us and seeing what God does when we all get together and talk about the needs and talk about moving in a direction to do something about those, using the leadership, knowing that God will be faithful. Garrett? So right about two minutes ago was the time our enemy, the devil, comes to you and says, oh, those dates, they just don't work think I'm out of town then, or, oh, I work, that's a Thursday, Friday, or, 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 or what if I sign up and then I get a better offer? You're not getting a better offer. No, no one's calling you for a Thursday and Friday in August. <laughs> this is the time to get out of the boat. This is the time to see what God may do. You work Thursday and Friday. Sure, we all do. Uh, maybe you're in a position where you can take others from work, you, you could, if, you, if you're the owner, you could take your team and write this off as leadership development expense. Do whatever you need to do to get out of the boat. And as Jason said, God wants to redeem all types of leadership, business, family, church, community. Make this another area of your life that you invite God into and say, come, sit down, change anything you want to change as your kingdom sweeps over the world. And I think it'll be a great amount of fun to have a block of Lakeland folk there. Wouldn't that be fun to mix some of your church friends and work friends and see the chemistry that might go on there? I promise I will not embarrass you. I will hardly talk about Star Wars at all, <laughs> unless you bring it up and then that'll be your fault. So uh, let us come and see, see what God will do. Don't, don't find reasons not to go. Find reasons to go. Find reasons to go, to step out of the boat and see what God can do with your leadership. Because when leaders get better, everybody wins. Amen? I am excited to see what God may do with this. I have, uh, let, thank you, Jason, yep. for joining me. Thank you. It's always so much fun. Let us stand together. Uh, and proclaim this blessing over one another that occurs in Scripture in the book of Ephesians. And it proclaims this God who, if we will step out in faithfulness, is competent to do amazing things we never imagined with any area of our life we offer to Him. Amen? Let us bless one another with these words. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to Him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. All right, everyone, get out of the boat and see what God does. See you next week.